Well, welcome to the Cut for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and things look a little bit different. We're trying something new. Uh, we are recording from my office. I'm using the, some different recording gear, so it might sound a little bit different. I know it looks a little bit different, but uh, still should be a pretty good conversation. Uh, we're going to be digging into my sermon from Sunday, which was about uh, the call of Matthew and the, uh, the party at Matthew's house, about Jesus including uh, the outcasts and, the, and, and just... Uh, dealing with some criticism from the Pharisees. So let's get into it. Sounds good. All right. So what did you, what did or didn't you cut from this past week? In the writing of the sermon this week, I don't really know that I cut anything from like the writing process to the sermon process, but I think that I have something that I maybe should have cut. Sure. Um, Because there just wasn't enough time to really dig into it, and it's a much bigger idea than I gave it in the sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, Towards the end of the sermon, um, because this, I mean, this was a big story, and there's a lot to it, and it's trying to kind of navigate how to how to how to cover it the best you can in the most faithful way. Um, I I kind of uh, dug into a little bit, but not enough that it should have been included. Um, The idea of this story of Matthew being included in Jesus' ministry, uh, the idea of that being a healing story. That Matthew and the tax collectors and the outcasts that Jesus chooses to eat with in this story are all healed by Jesus. So, like, I made mention of that fact in the sermon, but I just think that there is... I, I don't think that the sermon needed it, and I also think that there's more to it that we can get into. Um... Than, the, than, the, than what I was able to give it on Sunday morning. So I should have cut that for time. Um, sure. The sermon, I mean, we, we still got done just a little bit after 11 o'clock. We're doing weekly communion here uh, as a part of our Lenten series focused on these, on these meal stories. And so it's always just kind of that challenge of time also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wanted to dig more into that idea of Jesus healing Matthew by including him. Mm-hmm. Because we did talk about it during the sermon, the fact of the fa- of the fact that Matthew would have been hated, mm-hmm. basically, you know, he was a tax collector. He was one colluding with Rome, and that makes you such an unwelcome and unwanted person. Um, and like I said, there's no evidence to support the idea that Matthew was padding his take as a tax collector, but there's also no defense of him not doing that. And so Mm -hmm. guilt by association does play into it. So Matthew would not have been a popular person among the Pharisees and the religious elites. Yet Jesus is willing to go to his house. And in a world that is so like focused on who dines with whom and that, really does dig into ritualistic purity and your access to God, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Jesus was, by attending that party that was full of tax collectors and sinners, Jesus was choosing to become unclean in order to be with other people. And like the Pharisees were there, but what what the what the sense that I get because it dealt with purity is that they would have been separated they would have been you know they would not have been mingling with with the common people they would have just been present and been doing their own thing while at the same party 
mm-hmm. you know. And but Jesus doesn't have that problem. Jesus just dives right in there. Jesus sits with anybody that wants to sit with him, mm-hmm. and that being excluded can feel like its own sickness. Being excluded and not welcome in society, and and told that you're bad and that you're wrong and that you're nasty, that you're that you're evil, like that can that can do something to you, mm-hmm. I mean, mentally and, and and just emotionally. And so to have this sense that Jesus is willing to not just call him into into discipleship, not just you know call him to change every to, to leave everything and change everything. But just for, for who he was in that moment to call him to, to discipleship. And then Dane to go be a part of a gathering at his house and fully engage in the party. Like that, that does something to you mentally and physically and, and emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was the healing that was happening. And not just for Matthew and Matthew's friends, but all of the outcasts with whom Jesus would have interacted. This is a huge healing story that is centered around this idea of a table because Jesus is eating with those that are on, that are unclean, making himself unclean. Mm-hmm. What do you think is a, a present-day practical application of that? Sure. And how should we apply that? Right, yeah, definitely. I think, actually it came up, because we're doing a Bible study along with this, um, mm-hmm. with this sermon series, it kind of did come up during our Bible study of like, who would we fill in the box with? You know, like for Jesus in Jesus' day, it was sinners and tax collectors or outcasts and tax collectors, depending on what translation you're using. But that those categories don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. but yet the concept does. We all have people that we look at and have deemed as less than mm-hmm. and, 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 and unworthy. Packers fans. Anyway, continue. Packers fans, yes. <laughs> people that that cheer differently than I do. Mm-hmm. People that vote differently than I do. People that believe differently than I do. Like, those, those, these categories still exist. Mm-hmm. And our temptation really is to be more like the Pharisees than to be like Jesus. Yes, like, absolutely. Like, if I have to sit at a table of Packers fans, that's going to be an uncomfortable experience for me. Sorry, mm-hmm. Jared. Mm-hmm. Um but including jared anyway continue (laughs) (laughs) it's your brother that's your deal um but no so but take that out of sports and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a different it's a whole it's 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 still a whole category of people of like you know people that that don't believe in jesus that Mm -hmm. people that people that devalue the work that i do because it has to do with the church right you know um if I were to be in a in a setting, not that not that I deem them as unworthy, but that they deem me as unworthy, that can be just as ostracizing. Mm-hmm. And so, what does it mean to include them? What does it mean to 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 love them in Christian love? What does it mean to embrace them for who they are? Um, you know, and and not just write them off mm-hmm. because that's what that's this whole that's this whole thing is that the Pharisees com- had completely written off. This entire group of people. And that entire group of people is who Jesus is going to spend his, most of his time with. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are instances like this this coming Sunday where Jesus is the guest in the home of a Pharisee. And so Jesus, you know, can do and, 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 and mingle and socialize with anybody 
including the outcasts and the sinners, but also including the Pharisees and the elites. But yet our temptation is to to truncate that. Our temptation is to say, this is okay, but that is not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can eat with these people, but not these people. Like, uh, these people don't, they don't see me, they don't respect me. And, like, and, and also, like, take care of yourself in the midst of that. But, you know, what does it mean to, to, to emphasize the value of someone else? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. Sometimes you have that feeling of that person doesn't belong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so Jesus brings in at the end of the story, like Jesus overhears the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees don't have the gall to come to Jesus. They go to his disciples and ask him this, in, you know, this pretty impolite question of why is your teacher such a, you know. Fill in the blank of how you want to end that sentence. But, you know, they they don't have the guts to say that to Jesus. They're going to say that to his disciples. Jesus goes in and talks about the fact that he has come to spend his time with these people. Mm -hmm. Like, he is going to, like, those that are sick have no need of a doctor. Like, they are, oh, I mean, and and also that's kind of a burn on the Pharisees because... The, the Pharisees don't realize how sick they are. Mm-hmm. But the the sinners and the outcasts, I mean, everyone's been telling them how sick they are. And so they know. And so Jesus is going to go to those people and proclaim the forgiveness of sins and proclaim the kingdom of God and bring them into it and, and help them to know that there is a place where they belong mm-hmm. in a world that tells them that there, that there is no place where they belong. And then, and that's when he quotes from the prophet Hosea, when he says that, go learn what this means, because these are words that the Pharisees would have known, like they're the keepers of the law, they're the teachers of Israel, they would have known these words from the prophet. And so Jesus says, go and learn what this means, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And that gets into an idea around, you know, it's one thing to make sacrifices, it's another thing to mean it. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't want people to sacrifice just because that's what they're supposed to do. God wants them to mean it. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire, the uh, way we read from the Good News Translation right now, because um, that's what we have in our sanctuary, I desire kindness, not sacrifice. Like, if you're not going to be kind to those people, then what are you doing with your sacrifices? If, if what you're doing with your sacrifices doesn't fundamentally fundamentally change who you are as a person, then don't do it mm-hmm. until you learn what it means. You right. know, so Jesus strikes at the very heart of the Pharisees in that phrase and just, you know, and it just finds an, another way to prop up the sinners, the outcasts, and the tax collectors. Sure. And bring that deeper sense of healing and holism and going, I mean, kind of turning it around and going after those that are being the oppressors. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. Yeah. And just such a Jesus move. But how do we how do we do it? Like how do we do what Jesus did in this situation? Mm-hmm. What's one thing that we can do? I don't know, and I'm asking the question. Because it's hard. Yeah. Because you get judged by the people that are around you. Oh yeah. You get you feel uncomfortable because you're with people you're mm-hmm. you're never with. Right. And probably don't and don't agree with. Yep. Like, how do you gain that courage to go mm-hmm. interact with and, and reach out to to the groups that you have felt aren't as good as you? 
But how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, because we all... You're lying to yourself if you've never thought that. Right. Definitely. Know? Yes. And so how do you reach out to those people? Mm-hmm. Right. I think, I mean, outside of prayer and being convicted of your own pharisaical nature, I don't think you can. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that really does come with a whole lot of inner spiritual work that has to happen first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one thing to pray. Like, there's a, there's a popular Christian song that came out back when I was in seminary, college. It's Brandon Heath, Give Me Your Eyes. Um, you know, let me see the world as you see it, Jesus. Give me your eyes for the brokenhearted. Give me your eyes for... You know, the, those that are downtrodden. And it's one thing to say that. And again, it's another thing to do something about it, to do something with that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of it is just getting over ourselves. I think a lot of it is returning to the teachings of Jesus to hear this story and to wrestle with that and say, okay, ouch, there are people that I have treated this way. You know, and then it is just a matter of getting over ourselves and humbling ourselves and, and maybe even... You know, just starting with that, like not like name, hey, I'm an I'm I'm a jerk, and this is what I thought, but you know, just say, hey, I'm Eric, or hey, I'm Clay, and you know, can I sit next to you at the ball game? You know, mm-hmm. or can I? You know, there there are people that you have a dust up with, and then you just have to, you know, say, hey, I did the I was in the wrong here. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge step of vulnerability, and it's a huge step to get over ourselves. But it is—it's the only way to do it. Is just right. by embrace. Like, I've, I've been reading a lot of Brene Brown recently, and her big one of her big phrases is "embrace the suck," mm-hmm. and that it's not going to feel good, and it's not going to be fun. But yet, it's still something that you have to do. And so, just embrace the suck and have the conversation and name your reality and say, "Hey, I was wrong about this." Or it is just a matter of spending time with them and realizing, oh, hey, they're not that bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think humbling yourself like that is a is um, a growth mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's something that you have to grow into. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, baby steps mm-hmm. into getting into that because, yeah, jumping in with both of you, you're going to... Yes. Yep. It's not yeah. going to go well. Yeah. How about for Matthew to just stand up and say, okay. Right. Like, yeah. So this is early on in Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's still picking his 12 disciples. Yep. Um, how on earth do you just do that? Right. The, the thing that we kind of forget, and the thing that I didn't mention on Sunday, um, is that because Jesus was a rabbi already, like, he had some clout and some standing in this world sure um before he started his public ministry and like really revealed what he was up to Mm -hmm. um so there is a likelihood that they would have at least that all the disciples that just completely seemingly blindingly dropped everything and followed because it's the same it's the similar call story uh for james and john and peter and 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 and, uh, for james and john and peter and andrew um but they would have had some familiarity with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They, as as being Jewish boys at a certain age, Jewish young men of a certain age, they would have been expected to, or expecting to be picked up by a rabbi. Um, and so there was some expectation there. It, there the, so, but, but it is still shocking 
mm-hmm. because especially because of what it turned into. Sure. That they would have maybe given up. Maybe he didn't know right. what it was going to turn into at right. the time. Yeah, definitely. And it yeah. would be intriguing to follow the guy that just seems different. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because no one was acting like him. Mm-hmm. Um, how did... Can you explain how that... So these rabbis would just... I mean, literally, there was rabbis all over walking around and preaching and people would just follow him no i mean or how did how did that work right all rabbis did have disciples sure. i mean it would not have been unheard of um but they weren't i mean largely they weren't traveling around and and, and you know being itinerant the way that jesus was mm-hmm. you know rabbis really were in charge of the local synagogues and so they would have been more like picking people from their very near geographical area Whereas, like, Jesus is all up and down the shores of the Sea of Galilee, where mm-hmm. this is happening. You know, Drew are based out of Capernaum. Uh, James and John would have been close by, but not Capernaum. Um, that that would have been the different part. Sure. So, yeah, the That's amount right. of travel that Jesus and his disciples did was different mm-hmm. than how normal, I mean, normal, normal rabbis, that they're in that town, and they're in charge of that synagogue, and... You know, that's how that works. So, mm-hmm. The other piece that stood out to me in the sermon was you talked about what being a sinner at that mm-hmm. time meant. You want to talk about that again? Sure, yeah. Um, so basically the, the, the broad category that the Pharisees chose to use um, is a deliciously vague word that can mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like anyone that is different from me is a sinner. Especially, especially in the case of the Pharisees where like their big job was to make sure people were following the rules. Anyone that didn't follow the rules that the, the way that they did were sinners. And so, especially in this context where the, where, where the focus is so much on the food mm-hmm. and, and who Jesus is sitting with and the offenses of the table that are happening in front of him, like, that's... So the sinner in that in that instance would have been those that are not paying attention to Jewish food laws. Sure. Those that are not paying attention to ritualistic purity. Those that are not doing the right thing as it applies to how we have meals together. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, but, I mean, everyone sins, basically. It's st- I mean, that's that's still true in Judaism. Um, we are, we're, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, we're waiting, if you're Jewish, you're waiting on a Messiah that is. Um, and you make atonements for your sins through sacrifice, through, um, you know, through, through different uh, days of prayer. Um, Yom Kippur uh, comes to mind. But they're still using that as a broad category just means that it's someone that does something that, that they're not supposed to. Gotcha. And so, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just found that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and like, and just also there, I think there's a conversation around who gets to make that determination. Mm-hmm. Like, because the Pharisees take that authority in that moment and they proclaim that that entire group is sinful because they're doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus could have turned that around on the Pharisees if he really wanted to. Could have absolutely burned, I mean, and, and, and in other places in the Gospels, does. Like, mm-hmm. John 8 comes to mind with the woman that caught in adultery, and, and Jesus says to the entire crowd, if you're without sin, throw the first stone. Go on and do it. 
and they leave in order in in order of age mm-hmm. you know from the from likely the most sinful that had the most time to sin to the least sinful but they they're not without sin mm-hmm. and Jesus that Jesus could have really tied that in here but didn't like that wasn't that wasn't the point he was trying to make at that time so do you want to tie it back into so we're doing communion every mm-hmm. Sunday um do you want to since we didn't get a chance to do the podcast last week sure we want to talk a little bit about why we're doing community never said it yeah definitely what the idea behind the theme is right yeah um so this um so our theme for lent is uh making or meeting jesus at the table and we mm-hmm. are focusing on a lot of the meal stories in the gospels there are all kinds of meal stories and parables about meals meals come up quite a bit one of the things that I mentioned when I do a table blessing for like a funeral, like today I had a funeral, um, and one of the things I say is I just give thanks to God for the way that God has made God's self known to us through the breaking of bread and the sharing of a meal. Because not just in the Gospels, but in the entire Bible, meals are so prevalent and have that divine togetherness and connectedness. And so I think that we have the opportunity, to, we're, we're focusing on how we meet Jesus in these stories, how Jesus reveals himself to be who he is throughout, through his actions at the table. Like this week was focused on the way that Jesus welcomed everybody. Mm-hmm. Like two weeks ago was the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus miraculously providing for everybody. Here it is, Jesus is with the wrong people, but yet they're still welcome. Mm -hmm. next week is about interruptions um jesus is going to be interrupted during dinner Um, jesus is in the home of simon the pharisee um and a woman breaks into the assembly where she should not have been and weeps at the presence of jesus and rather than be annoyed by the interruption jesus turns it into a teachable moment jesus uses it turns the entire thing around and makes it a parable about hospitality and the way that she was showing hospitality when the host wasn't. And so what do we do with interruptions? Interruptions are bound to happen in our lives. Do we get mad about them or do we look for the lesson in the midst of them? Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to meet Jesus on Sunday. But we have the opportunity not just to meet Jesus in his teaching, but also to meet Jesus in a meal. Because our belief around the table is that Christ is with us. And we call it holy mystery. We don't quite know exactly how Jesus is with us, but we know that Christ is with us. That Jesus literally meets us at the table. And we are strengthened to, you know, to go and do the things that Jesus did by the sharing of the bread and the cup. And we're also just then emulating this idea of that divine connectedness by being at the table together every week during the season of Lent. Mm-hmm. So That's really cool. Yeah, I've been liking it so far. Well, it, it <clears throat> at least as a parent, um, mealtime is so important. Mm-hmm. So I really like this sermon series. Yeah. You know, Jesus had so many connections with people during meals. Yeah. I don't know. For us, anyway, I feel most connected to my family at supper. Absolutely. When we're all around the table, if you've been having a bad day, it's somehow supper always cheers you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, you get—it's a time that you get to sit and spend and talk and mm-hmm. laugh and make fun of each other, and yep. it's just—it's just a really nice time. Yep. And, yeah, meals are just so important, mm-hmm. and that's why it's such a prevailing image of the kingdom of God. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus on the night that he's on the night that he's with his disciples around the table, he says, 
we're going to do this again in the fullness of God's kingdom. We are going to eat bread and drink wine together. We are going to feast together in the fullness of God's kingdom. Like that's, that's Jesus' vision for, for the future is mm-hmm. a meal mm-hmm. where all are welcome, where there's enough for all, where all are included, all that want to be included. You know, like that's, that's what we're, that's what we're practicing for when we eat communion, mm-hmm. you know, is the, is, is joining in this. I mean, it's in, in the prayer that I use to, to bless the elements, make us one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Like these are, this is a glimpse of the kingdom yeah. when we meet at the table because meals are important. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us on this week's Comfort Time podcast. Join us again next week in person uh, at the church at 10 a.m. We're back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.